0: Hey, I'm Steve Fong, and welcome to another one. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that makes self-assessment and VAT easy. They've been making tax digital for years. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash beingfreelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for designer Tom Ross
1: myself and many creative entrepreneurs online now see the benefit in a much more long-term business vehicle, you know, building a real business, whether you're selling courses or membership sites or client services or whatever it might be. Ironically, by trying to build something smaller, more personal, more human, it ended up being the biggest thing I've ever grown, but that wasn't the intention. Part of the reason I burnt out and did all those hours is I was a complete control freak. I was like Steve Jobs without the uh, level of talent or turtleneck.
0: Yes, so there is Tom, who you may well know if you're a designer and have come across Design Cuts, which is like a pretty big platform now where you can download things like fonts and design elements, like in bundles, and you save a lot of money. I used to use them years ago, and when I say I used to use them, that's because nowadays I don't do that kind of work. I hire other people who do it much better than I do. But yes, Design Cuts is something I've seen for years, but it's actually started by a freelance designer called Tom Ross, this week's guest. So yes, that's what we're going to chat about. By the way, I mean, obviously don't go and listen to it now, but Tom does a podcast called the Honest Designers podcast, also the Honest Entrepreneur Show, which is also on YouTube, and I hugely recommend it. Listen to this first. If you like what you hear, then I recommend checking out, be it the YouTube or the podcast of the Honest Entrepreneur, because as freelancers, there is a bit of entrepreneur in all of us, and sometimes that comes out in different ways, I've noticed over the years talking to different guests. And sometimes it turns into running bigger companies, hiring people and so on. So yeah, Tom has an interesting tale. That's for sure. That's coming up in a moment. Don't forget, beingfreelance.com is where you'll find all of the previous episodes, whatever they get up to as a job title in quotation marks of designer or coder or writer, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all about the being freelance. So even if they're a photographer and you're a UX designer, it doesn't matter. And if you're sitting there going, I don't even know what a UX designer is, doesn't matter. Still listen to their episode. It's all about the being freelance. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. We have the videos and the articles and the community on Facebook, the being freelance community as well there's a link to join at beingfreelance.com it would be brilliant to see you in there we have live q as we have mini masterminds we have the non employee of the week awards we have a lot of fun but we also have a lot of support for one another and it would be great to see you in there come join us right though that's enough let's crack on and chat to freelance designer tom ross hey tom Hi Steve, how are you? I am good. Well, I said freelance designer, but clearly you've, uh, you've evolved way beyond that. But if it's okay, maybe we
1: can retreat back into, <laughs> into those days. How did you get started being freelance? I got started pretty humble beginnings, like most of us. I think it was actually doing design contests, if you know the kind of thing I mean. So these days it will be sites like Fiverr. I was pretty young, so I was like 12, 13 years old, learning Paint Shop Pro pre-Photoshop even, and I started participating in some of these contests, and I remember at first, I, I wasn't very good. I would not win any. Then I might start winning one out of every 10. And by the end, I was winning about 50% of them, which was great because I was a young kid at the time. But, you know, they would pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars each time. So that kind of, you know, wet my beak in terms of freelance opportunities and how I could make money remotely and, and through my creative skill set. And then from there, I just developed to um, doing the classic thing and pitching a lot of local businesses, restaurants, bars, that kind of thing, getting some very bad clients, sitting on my shoulders and all the horror stories that you hear. But that's just, you know, experience and then kind of develop from there into a relatively successful freelance career.
0: When you said you went
1: out to restaurants and stuff, not when you were 13, or were you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I wasn't that young, but maybe 16, 17, like, yeah. And you were literally going in there and say, hey, I think you could do with a website. Yeah. So um, it, it would quite often it would come from uh, connections locally. So it might be you know, a friend of a friend who ran a bar, that kind of thing. Um, but that's like the intro into design.
0: So then you become a fully fledged freelance designer. So you, you never went and worked for somebody else, if you see what I mean. You, you didn't go into an agency or anything like that. You stayed self-employed.
1: Yeah, I like to say I've never had a job because I feel like I'm a thoroughbred entrepreneur. But I did go and work at Waitrose for three <laughs> Saturdays uh, when I was 15 years old and then I quit. So <laughs> apart from that, now I've always been uh, self-employed and freelancer for a good few years.
0: How did it change from there? Because obviously now, so in your, in your introduction, I was chatting about design cuts. It's changed quite a bit. Talk us through that.
1: Yeah, I think really from day one, I have been really passionate about creating and design, but also entrepreneurship and marketing. So I've kind of learned both of them in tandem. But yeah, like I, I would never go back and change my freelance career. It's, it's given me a massive platform and, and a decent amount of expertise for what I'm doing now. I don't know if, if you know, Steve, but I run the Honest Designers Show podcast as well. That's become quite popular, which was a total shock to us. You know, it started with us just talking in a room about design, but that's taken off quite well. And through that, you can share all the horror stories and all the experience. So at the time you think, how is this going to benefit me? This is ridiculous. I'm being mistreated and all that kind of stuff. But over time, you realize only in hindsight, actually, they're fantastic experiences. You need those experiences to develop a, a meaningful career and to actually have credibility of knowing what you're talking about.
0: Mm. what were some of the challenges that you particularly remember facing
1: it was all kinds of stuff it was not being paid it was yeah, being screwed financially in that kind of sense because you didn't have a a proper contract. It was clients that would ask for endless revisions over and over and over again and wouldn't pay you anymore. As I alluded to before, it would be clients sat on your shoulders, micromanaging you, you feeling very much like the bottom feeder because you go into these places and they kind of put you in like a cobweb-ridden room in the back and be like, get to work, minion. (laughs) Like all all of these things which uh, many freelancers and particularly freelance designers experience I went through and lived. And like I say, they kind of sucked at the time. And you you think to yourself, I'm worth more than this. But actually, in hindsight, I probably wasn't. You know, I was very young. I wasn't super experienced. I I wasn't confident enough with how I priced myself and pitched myself. I was saying yes to some of the wrong clients. So all the stuff which at the time you begrudge, uh, when you look back, you're like, actually, I was probably right where I should have been. And it was just part of the journey. And at that time, were you... I don't know
0: were you Tom Ross designer or did you have like a company name
1: I think I was always Tom Ross designer I, I was never like Corp design solutions <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's something I, I advocate against for any freelancers by the way like just be true and honest I'm not saying you have to use your own name but don't purport to be like some giant studio if you're not because people see through that stuff <laughs>
0: So, but you you said that you always felt entrepreneurial. So, how did that affect your freelance career?
1: Well, I think they can go hand in hand quite naturally because you are operating as your own business. So, uh, you know, you have to market yourself as a designer. You have to learn about approaching clients. You have to learn about market demand and a lot of those fundamentals. But alongside the freelancing, I would be building and flipping websites. I'd be starting these random web projects and. And learning email marketing and all that kind of stuff. So again, if if you have those entrepreneurial tendencies, but you don't want to go and grow out a big team and, and run a company, they're still your best ally as a solo freelancer. Because a lot of freelancers, you know, they are good at the design work, but they do kind of suck with the marketing, whether it is pitching or email marketing or social media content or, or branding and, and themselves and and that kind of thing. I think often they fall short because they are so all about the work. But when you combine the two it's a really powerful thing
0: what do you mean when you were you were building and flipping websites
1: uh as in you you create a website from nothing build it up to a certain point and then flip it It simply means to sell it
0: so what kind of thing would 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 that have been so you you try to create like i don't know all all
1: kinds of stuff
0: yeah actually (laughs) i can't even come up with an idea What, what what sort of ones did you do
1: I, I've done so many projects and again I see them now as learning experiences these are not things which went and made me a millionaire by the way all kinds one was like a gallery where it featured other people's design work and web designs and that kind of thing so it was like a little online gallery kind of like css mania for any web designers out there who might know that so that was one there was another one which wasn't design related at all <laughs> am I allowed to swear on this podcast Steve go for it which was called are you an I'm shocked <laughs>
0: But what was that?
1: That was people sharing stories of stuff they did that was kind of a dick move. And then people would vote how bad they (laughs) thought it was, like if they were a decent person or if they were horrible. So you came up with the idea and you built it. And
0: what, built up a significant enough audience that you would then go off and find someone to
1: buy it? Yeah, that one even, it didn't have the best audience. It was just that I built it up. I hired a freelancer to help code it. So it was like a functional Thing which had a proper system that worked and a fairly small audience and then i sold it but that that's probably one of my lower ones <laughs> over the years so um I, you know i think that sold for like one to two thousand dollars or something it wasn't a lot of money and i felt really good until i worked out all the time i poured into it meant i was probably at a massive loss financially
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's really interesting though is that from an era where there would be more revenue to be made out of a website through ads.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think definitely that has shifted fundamentally. I think myself and many creative entrepreneurs online now see the benefit in a much more long-term business vehicle. You know, building a real business, whether uh, you're selling courses or membership sites or client services or whatever it might be, is much more long term. I think back in the day, there was inherently more flipping. It still exists. There's still people selling websites every day. But I, you know, it was quite attractive to build a, a nice looking website, get some ad revenue, and then sell it on.
0: And so what did you then shift on to?
1: Well, I, I continued freelancing actually for quite a while. I started working with a lot of of solo online entrepreneurs, but not marketers. It would be really interesting people. So one of my favorite clients was the biggest teacher of online bass, like electric bass guitar. Mm-hmm. And that that was a really fun project. And he had a massive audience. But I started getting known as the guy that would get results for your business. So he implemented his um redesign and overnight got fifty percent more paying customers. So he was like, this is awesome. This has paid for itself in like one to two months, what he paid me. And so through that, I'd start getting word of mouth and I'd get more and more interesting clients for web design work. Alongside that, I would dabble in things. So um, do you know Smashing Magazine? No. It's a, a, a blog about design and code and that kind of thing. They put out a book on Photoshop and I was editor on that. So oh, wow. they hired they, me to do that. So it was a few projects such as that. And a lot of that happened because I, alongside this other stuff, I started a blog all about design where I was teaching Photoshop, and I was doing Photoshop tutorials, photo manipulation lessons, videos, that kind of thing. And that grew quite substantially. I think it had 100,000 visitors after the first month, and then it went on to get kind of millions and millions of visitors so that built up a, a few connections and a nice profile and attracted stuff like the book thing and a few other projects whilst I was still freelancing alongside it but my biggest lesson from that was the numbers really don't mean anything because the audience was a bit hollow i was doing everything i could to get eyeballs on my content and drive that awareness but you know it didn't build anything sustainable it made some money along the way but i didn't build a a proper business model I didn't build a proper community because I was just chasing traffic because Mm. whenever I tried to learn online marketing I said how do you do online marketing and it was all about getting more followers and more traffic and so now a lot of what I do is I preach the opposite of that you know it's not about the numbers it's about getting people to care and support what you're doing and build a proper business.
0: You're still very much sort of placing yourself as that expert in design and feeding off of that element of your
1: freelance business yeah um so whilst i no longer freelance it did give me quite a lot of experience to talk about it which as i mentioned I, I channeled into the honest designers show podcast we do and we've been doing doing that for two years over 100 episodes now and we've still got stuff to share and anecdotes and stories and experiences about freelancing and yeah like i'm i'm, I'm talking more and more about it i'm going on the future if you know that mm-hmm. um, you know none of that could really happen without the foundation of freelancing so i know your audience is freelancers whether they want to stick being a freelancer which is amazing as a career or they want to move on to something else if you want to move on to something else i think freelancing can be a fantastic foundation it can be a great platform to open up other opportunities just to put all of this in perspective by the way
0: when you were like right doing that blog for example what year are we talking about
1: Uh, so the blog I think was like 2008
0: when I started that so you're building that reputation all of that but you're also doing the freelance work so were you just somebody who was working every hour like what was your work-life balance like at that time
1: it wasn't too bad back then because I would work very quickly I remember an agency was feeding me regular work where they they were basically outsourcing to me. So they'd pay me for the work and then stick a load of margin on top of it and charge their client. And that was fine because it gave me a, a steady stream of work. But I was at university at the time. And so I'd be out getting drunk with my mates and have a, a two-week or four-week deadline. And I'd normally kind of scramble it together in the last couple of days, to be honest, because I... I I did the same thing with my studies and my essays. I, You know, I'd pull, <laughs> pull all-nighters back then and, and be really last minute. But thankfully, the quality of the work normally came through as well.
0: How did your story move on towards where you are today?
1: Yeah, so on the back of doing the blog, I learned more about the online landscape, online marketing, design, like I say, made a few connections and so on. And then fast forward to 2013, that's when I started Design Cuts, which is my current company. And that's like the perfect fusion of everything I love. That's marketing, entrepreneurship and design. So we're we're basically a global marketplace for designers, for the tools that designers use day to day. So that's things like fonts, graphics, illustrations, templates, all those things which either make your work look more beautiful or save you time or both. And we started that and, and, we now work with about 400 of the best product creators in the world. So these are people creating stunning, stunning fonts, illustrations, all those kinds of things. And then we've got this global community of about 400,000 designers who regularly benefit from them and and grab them and engage in the community. So how did you start that?
0: Were you just doing on the side? Or did you think, "Oh, actually, this is something I really want to do and build up a load of cash from your freelance work and then pile into it how how did you go about it?
1: yeah the latter I piled into it actually I've talked openly on my personal show about this but uh, I worked 18 hour days seven days a week so I was well over 100 hours a week for about 18 months and that's how I got the company off the ground and the whole time I wasn't taking a salary so um, I was just eating into savings and then ended up putting myself in hospital, having major surgery, because I put myself under so much stress, I, I had to have major stomach surgery. Jeez. Yeah. So, so when you asked about work-life balance, the freelance days were nothing, <laughs> to be honest, like me, me doing the odd client project. And that's not to undermine freelancers. You know, it can be stressful. It can be very busy. Absolutely. But my personal experience was that was a lot calmer than doing a startup
0: company. So you found that you were able to put in all of those hours for 18 months, but eventually your body just said no.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And then after the surgery, I was chronically ill for two years, but I couldn't just give it up and go and rest because that would mean throwing away my company and having to fire the team and or make them redundant rather. Um, And I I didn't want to do that. We'd worked too hard and I cared too much about them. So... I had to try and find a way to keep the company going. But at this time, I could barely stand up out of my seat. I was like an 80-year-old man
0: or something. So by the time that happened, by the time, and I think it's fair to say we're, we're allowed to use the word burnout because it seems like oh, <laughs> that <yes. laughs> but it definitely applies. By the time you got to that point then, had your, had the company started to work, if you see what it, like you'd hired people, it wasn't just you?
1: Yes and no. At this point... Part of the reason I burnt out and did all those hours is I was a complete control freak. I was like Steve Jobs without the uh, level of talent or turtleneck, if you want. (laughs) So I I felt I had to do everything. And we didn't hire for 10 months. And the first hire was part-time. By that point, we should have had four or five staff. It was insanity. But I just didn't want to let go of anything. I was just truly trying to do it all. So the silver lining of getting so sick is... As I came out of the surgery and I I was so chronically ill, it forced me to delegate and it forced me to hire out a team, which set the foundation for now where we've got about 20 members of staff and it's in a much more sustainable place. Flipping
0: heck. How do you make sure you take care of yourself now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I try and I've got a few ideas around this, but I uh, am currently having a week where my to do list is so long that I've had to half my meeting times to pack more in and I'm still not getting it all done. So I'm going to have to work all weekend. And this is coming from someone who outwardly preaches against burnout and working yourself into the ground. But I also recognize the reality of sometimes it is just that crazy. But my answer would be try and find your sweet spot because if you are hardworking and aspirational and ambitious, you're going to want to work hard and it might not cut it to work five hours a day, but there will be a point where you start to burn out and it starts to damage your health. I've discovered for me, my sweet spot, if you will, is about 12 hours a day. If I work eight hours a day, there's no way I get everything done. If I work 13, 14 hours a day or more, that's when my health really starts to suffer and I kind of fall over. So everyone's sweet spot's going to be different. The same way You might need five or six hours sleep, but I might need eight or nine. You know, you need to pay attention to your own system and whether you're running a company or a freelancer, it's so worth kind of auditing yourself and and working Mm -hmm. out what your sweet spots are. That sounds kind of rude, doesn't it? Talking about your (laughs) sweet spots. (laughs) It's like (laughs) a (laughs) roger or something. (laughs) It's so true. So overall, like you don't regret that? No, because I've built... The thing I'm most proud of in the world. I love my company, and it's thankfully is is doing great, and we've got an amazing team. So no, I don't regret it. um it took it was a long road. I had to work with a dietitian and a personal trainer and a therapist because it was destroying my mental health, feeling so ill and like seeing no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. But I've had to kind of claw back from that, and and now thankfully I'm feeling great. I've got some residual health issues from it, but they're kind of I'm working with doctors to kind of gradually improve them. And, and they're nothing compared to the chronic illness.
0: Yeah. If you did it again, would you do it differently?
1: Yes, hundred percent. But sadly, time machines don't exist. Otherwise I would go and do it probably quite differently. You know, I, I would have hired a lot earlier. I would have not made a lot of mistakes, but that's not how the world works. And I would be a different person without everything I've learned along the way. The mistakes are always useful. You always develop character and those kinds of things through these experiences.
0: How did you find becoming a boss after all of that?
1: I found it was a very sharp learning curve because all I'd done before was manage people remotely for my blog, like guest authors and that kind of thing. So to go to managing a full-time team in person, it was literally learn on the job, figure it out as I went and just try not to screw it up and do as good a job as I could. But it's true what they say, the hardest part of business is generally the people it's the best part, it's the most rewarding part, but it's also the toughest part because people aren't robots, you know. There's a million variables which constantly can go wrong or be unexpected or fluctuate.
0: Yeah. Have you had any support at all through, through this whole thing? As, I don't mean from a nutritionist, I mean as a business mentor or coach or anything like that.
1: Uh, yeah, I have. So I've got five co-directors and shareholders at the company. But I'm kind of the the founder and majority shareholder. And for a long time, I was the only one working full time. But they were hugely good because um, some of the shareholders run a larger business and support us in that capacity. So through them, I was getting support and mentorship. And they're all kinds of like HR things which would come up, which I'd have no idea about, but they'd have 25 years experience because they're a bit older, older than me too. And so, yeah, that level of support, if you can find yourself a mentor or a partner or someone to kind of balance you out, it's a huge asset. I couldn't have done it without them, to be honest.
0: How did you find them?
1: I ended up getting a very bad experience happened to me in business, which I can't talk about, unfortunately. And on the back of that, I ended up in a meeting room with them and did a kind of Dragon's Den uh, thing or Shark Tank for any Americans listening, where I had to pitch them my idea. And I didn't know them at this point. It was like a family friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. And I had to say, you know, I'm, I'm this young kid. I've got this idea. I think it could be great. Take a punt on me. And they did. And that was, at
0: what stage did that happen? Was that after you'd already spent the two years in a bedroom building it?
1: No, that was before we built anything.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So that, that was just an idea. And I, I went, help support me build this thing.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting about the whole it's not just the 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 funding it's the the brains that come with it
1: yeah well we never had any funding actually it was just hard work i mean they supported in terms of like development uh, resources but but that came from the other directors and shareholders who had that skill set so it was all of us just putting our skills into it but we never invested any money beyond like getting a domain name
0: And so now, uh, as we're here in 2019, you've you've mentioned the last couple of years of doing the design podcast, you're also now making your own YouTube videos and podcasts, but actually as you, right?
1: Yeah, I'm doing the whole personal brand thing, and it's really fun. It's taken me a lot of years to get there, but I started trying to connect the dots in terms of what I enjoyed the most, and I worked out it truly is helping people. It's what I've always gravitated back towards. I know some of my early design clients came from me me being in a forum where I helped about 400 people. I gave them free consultancy for their websites just because I love doing it. And I'd be on calls every week with people. Yeah, I would help so many people over the years. And I'd be running up to my girlfriend and saying, you know, that guy where I helped him with his business and he couldn't pay his mortgage, well, now he can and he gets to save his house and I'll get such a kick out of that kind of thing. And so I, I decided I want to combine my passion for helping people with the credibility I've now got from actually having done it and built a real business and scaled it and learned a lot along along the way. I'm now in a position of hopefully uh, authority where I can talk about this and know what I'm talking about and really give people actionable, quality help. And it's my biggest passion, to be honest. I love my company But every week I'm helping dozens of creatives, freelancers and entrepreneurs, whether they're, you know, filling up my Instagram inbox and asking questions or they're watching the show that I'm doing, the Honest Entrepreneur Show, or I've got a weekly call with some of them where I'm helping them through their business or Instagram Live. It's like every moment I'm not working on my company, I'm doing that because I just get, it energizes me. I get the biggest kick out of it. I just love helping these people.
0: Yeah. It doesn't actually sound like you're somebody who likes to switch off,
1: even if you could. Yeah, I'm, it's weird because I, I was quite good at being lazy growing up. <laughs> I really was. This has not been like from the age of eight or something. And I know I'm saying since 12, I've done all this stuff. And I have. I was never completely work shy. But at the same time, I think I've wasted enough time growing up that when I hit about 25, I thought, you know what? No more. The rest of my life is on me. I better get my act together. And that's when my company really took off. And I think that becomes quite addictive because you think, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was capable of that. Funny enough, when I work really hard and pull my finger out, big stuff happens. And so from there, yeah, I've got really good at filling my time. And uh, yes, I should get better at downtime, but I'm not very good. I sit there and get like a five minute rest and be like, no, I need to be doing something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that's partly, do you think you were addicted to making progress on your business? You know, like when you were making yourself ultimately sick. Like that, it
1: wasn't just that you needed to get the word done, but actually, you were
0: you were loving it so much.
1: Yeah, so it's definitely a love for it and a passion for it. But through money, you show this is something I talk about a lot because I think entrepreneurs, uh, whether they're creative entrepreneurs or otherwise, there's a big thing on the scene where everyone's very black and white in their advice. And it's just work harder, be more productive, rah, 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 all this motivational stuff. And no one tends to give the wider context. And so I really try and give a very, very transparent look at it, hence the name The Honest Entrepreneur. But I think that transparency is so, so key. Because yeah, to answer your question, when I was growing it, it, it's like a, a drug addiction almost, because the harder you work, the better it does. And the better it does, the harder you work. And it's like an endless cycle. And another kind of metaphor I could use for that is, imagine, Steve, there is a giant pile of pound coins off of the Americans' dollar bills next to you. And you take one and you put it in your pocket and you've just made a pound. So you take another, you made two pounds. At what point do you stop and I'm not someone who's like particularly all about the money. I'm generally more about like building something meaningful and the success. But I'm just going to use money as an example here because it's quite relatable for people. At w- what point do you stop? You know, you're gonna you're gonna keep doing it. Uh, you're you're probably gonna find ways to do it faster and get more efficient with that. And you're gonna go 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 because you could be there all day and getting more and more of what you want, whether that is wealth or success or, um, or passion all of those things. So it does become quite addictive when you see it through that lens. Maybe that sounds quite depressing. To me by the way, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, I, I like to think I've got more balance now in that, you know, I'm doing it, doing it for the right reasons. At the time, yeah. I was just seeing what am I capable of? And then I was like, what, it, you know, it just went like a rocket. It really took off and I was trying to hold on for dear life, to be honest, um, and push it forward. So I'm, I'm taking you back to like 25-year-old yeah. Tom's mindset. I like to think I've grown up in a lot of ways.
0: It's interesting because, like you've and you've managed to restrain yourself from, I think, saying the word hustle once.
1: Uh, Although the first episode of my show, (laughs) I said hustle (laughs) culture killing us, and then the second episode, I I talked in depth about how ill I got and all the rest of it. Yeah, I didn't want to mention it because not everyone's familiar with the the term. But yeah, hustle culture—it's a dangerous, dangerous thing, I think.
0: It is. Yeah, I agree. I think it's dangerous. And and yet, equally, you can sit there and point to the fact that hustling cre- did create for you what you wanted. It just happened to be that it was killing you off at the same time.
1: Yeah. And and I talk openly about that as well, because I think there's two sides. On one side, you've got like all the hustle bros on Instagram, right? I'm hustling my face off, man, and just really pushing that. On the other side, you've got a growing movement that's anti-hustle, and they're now really denouncing some of the A-listers, uh, like Gary Vaynerchuk and people like that, who seem to be the or- at the origin of the hustle movement. I sit somewhere in the middle, because I've got a huge amount of respect and admiration for a lot of those A-listers, because I think they're geniuses in a lot of ways, and I have no desire to like tear them down. They also tend to talk quite openly about be self-aware and do what's right for you, and I think that's spot on. So the way I look at it and talk about it is I know I'm never going to be the world's strongest man and I'm never going to be the world's fastest man. And I'm never going to try to be, because if I did I'd ruin myself and I'd be miserable in the process. Like it's just not going to happen. I'm not built for it. And the same way I might not have the physical build to go and, and be Eddie Hall or someone. I also probably don't have quite, you know, fully the mental build or physical build to go and work 18 hours a day for 30 years. And almost no one does. So just because there's one or two celebrities that seem to live that lifestyle and that works for them because they've got that constitution or that outlook or whatever, it's not going to work for 99.9% of us. So we need to work out, like I talked about before, our sweet spot. And I think a better way to look at it is not hustle, because for me, hustle is connected with extremes but it is hard work. It's okay to work really hard. You need to work hard. I needed to really, really work my face off to grow my company. I couldn't have done it without that hard work. But hustle as a movement, I think is connected with a lot of people saying stuff like give up your 20s and have no social life, only work or sleep less and only work or you can't be in a relationship because that's going to detract from your work. And like anything, right, you need balance. Whenever you take it to these extremes and you get these subcultures, which push them to unhealthy extremes, it's not going to result in a good thing. And my worry is, and why I talk openly about this, Steve, is I think there's a a tidal wave of mental health issues looming around the corner. I think it's already beginning, but I think a lot of people are where I was at six months in or a year in and they don't see what's around the corner and I think a lot of people are going to crash incredibly hard and that does scare me.
0: Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me Tom?
1: Okay I was a chess champion as a child okay that's number one I have been known for participating successfully in rap karaoke is number two and number three is i have won two consecutive eating contests in my time okay how so how old were you when you were a chess champion i was eight or nine years
0: old and was it like a school thing or a country thing like what was the what was the level
1: of your championness uh it was county champion
0: chess champion at nine years old rap karaoke i mean okay have you won a like a rap karaoke contest
1: um n- not like a formal contest but it's more just the uh accolades of doing it in a karaoke setting and you know not like a formal competition as such what's your go-to rap karaoke tune I would have to say nothing but a G-thang by Snoop Dogg.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: now, and I know like people are going to be going, well, ask him to do something. I'm not going to. Thank
1: God for that. <laughs> Three
0: eating competition.
1: What did you have to eat? It was mainly burgers, but there were a few sides. In this country? Yeah, in this country.
0: Good grief, I didn't think we had it in us. I thought we were...
1: <laughs> well at, at a uh, a golf club the first one was as well <laughs> so really incongruous
0: good. it should be like how many pork pies and piccadilly you can one devour so you ate how many burgers do you think you ate in order
1: to win uh i think it was eight it's been what? a few years but yeah it was ridiculous
0: okay right i think that's true i think the addition of the golf club there was a good bit of Colour, I think that's true. Rap karaoke, do you do rap? Quite possibly. It was so... It's not like you won rap karaoke, so it's almost... So in that case, I don't think you were a chess
1: champion. Okay, do you want the truth? Yeah. I lied about the food-eating contests. Ah! <laughs> okay. No! How, how many of these do you get right normally, Steve? <laughs> well, I
0: think I'm pretty good at this. It
1: devastates me.
0: Um, oh, well, well done. Like the you
1: totally oh yeah is it a golf
0: club totally had me
1: well it's because i was thinking of an actual food contest that i remember but i just wasn't part of it you've got to to color out your lies steve (laughs) yes yeah yeah (laughs) now if you could tell your younger self one
0: thing about being freelance what would that be
1: that you need to be patient and realize you're not going to get there overnight it will generally take years and years you've got to keep putting one step in front of the other don't worry If it's not all perfect from day one, you will have to go through the trudge of bad clients, uh, you know, not being paid a a huge amount as long as you're heading in the the right direction slowly But surely that's the main thing.
0: Thanks so much for being on. We, as ever, for all of our guests, put links at beingfreelance.com so you can check out what they're up to so you can find out more about design cuts and also Tom's shows that he's been talking about, which I mean, you said actually that you, you know, this is you creating your, your personal brand in quotation marks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I can see. But equally, like I have followed Design Cuts for years. Oh, have and you read? I, Yeah. And I definitely remember very early on videos with you in it. Like it
1: would be you in the office. Yeah. Saying, that, that wasn't so much of my personal profiles. That was for the company. I decided I, I wanted us. It was important to me that we were a very human brand. You know, I didn't want to be faceless. I, I wanted us to... To be out there, so people could get to know us, and we and we could show our personalities.
0: Yeah, and it was, and it's that I think ties in really well from your freelance career, and in fact, you even said about not calling yourself a company name of of being the
1: human. Yeah, and so few people do it. I think a, a lot of us are video shy and don't want to put our photo out there even, and I was too. It's not like I'm some guru on video or audio. It just takes practice, but yeah, I was absolutely breaking it. When we did these, you know, we all got really silly and like nervous about it and you put them out and we look back and and cringe now at some of those uh, early videos, which you probably saw, but you get better over time. And I just think it's such a good way to not only brand yourself as more human and brand yourself successfully, but to differentiate because no one else is you, right? You're different from anyone else.
0: Yeah. So did you find that, or maybe it's hard, it's not like a thing that you've A, B tested, for example, but... You you think like putting your face and indeed the faces of your team to design cuts helped?
1: Hugely. Like we have so many customers that know us on a real personal level and resonate with us. You'd think that would happen if we were just like genericdeals.com hidden behind a generic logo. It wouldn't be the same.
0: Yeah, I suppose that goes back to that thing you said earlier about building a massive audience or building an audience that you are connecting with.
1: Yeah, all very deliberate, Steve, honestly, like I'd, I'd, I'd done the, the bigger thing. And ironically, by trying to build something smaller, more personal, more human, it ended up being the biggest thing I've ever grown. But that wasn't the intention. Go to
0: beingfreelance.com and follow the links through and uh, yeah, do check out design cuts as well, uh, as well as Tom's podcast. Well, well I say, well, the, the, the honest designers podcast, but there's also the honest entrepreneur one, yeah, which, is, a theme. <laughs> which is, running it, which is, it's like a podcast version of the YouTube videos. Though, right? They're right. The, they're the same. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It's just what format perform People prefer, but yeah, I really hope people will check it out and hope, hope you don't mind if I put out this kind of offer for people, Steve, but If anyone wants any follow-up help or advice, feel free to DM me on Instagram, Tom Ross Media, and completely free, you know, I'll help you out just because I'm a big geek and enjoy doing that kind of thing. (laughs) Like, mention that you listen to um, to, to this podcast and and reach out, and I'd love to help.
0: Tom, it's been really great talking to you. Thanks so much. I would say all the best being freelance, but I'll I'll say all the best being balanced in being a boss.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure, Steve.
0: Yeah, so there is Tom. And if you were listening to his story about burnout, honestly, you have to go listen to his Honest Entrepreneur podcast because the tale that he tells in that, well, it's frightening, but he goes into a lot more detail and yeah hopefully it will just stop other people falling into that similar trap as he says it's about finding our own sweet spot but geez what he went through is just we shouldn't be doing it to ourselves and if that resonated with you please do go listen to what Tommy's is doing with the honest entrepreneur show right that's it enough from me you have a great week being freelance